Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining the Great Dynamics Podcast. My name is Ahmed Hassan, and today we have a reoccurring guest, a friend, team member. Can I say that myself? <laughs> I suppose. And analyst extraordinaire Marcel Pista. Marcel was in a couple of previous podcasts and did a brilliant Call of Duty once. <laughs> uh, he's a former DIA analyst. Right now, he's doing his PhD at St. Andrews, talking about security issues in Sub-Sahel Africa. Uh, he's interested in one-way attack drones and everything. Drone warfare these days. Thank you for coming, Marcel. Yeah, pleasure to be here. So I think for first I want to go into, I think we've talked about this in every podcast that we've done so far. <laughs> and a few I haven't. What's going on with Wacky Wagner? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'll I'll try not to I'll try not to retread the same ground. I think the most interesting thing that's that's happened recently is is uh the other the other day there was a parliamentary hearing where um the UK's uh foreign affairs committee of parliamentarians sort of sat down with the um uh, with one of the with one of the junior ministers uh, for FCDO, which is the UK's uh, foreign ministry or Department of State, and basically grilled him and a couple of uh, a couple of I guess guys under him that he could pin the blame on uh, about Wagner, and it and it was a really it was a really interesting hearing and as far as hearings go. It was still it was still two hours of, of mostly nothing, but there was an there was an interesting distinction there between the committee and between policymakers, and this is mirrored in um, the US and other countries. Where the committee and the policymakers were very interested in intensifying efforts to go after Wagner to stop Wagner, and you had the ministry officials themselves who were less interested in going after Wagner itself, and sort of conceived of their anti-Russia efforts and their efforts to help Ukraine uh, fight Russia as 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 something that will harm Wagner by extension, and that and that sort of Wagner is not necessarily as big a deal as as the committee makes that that was that was sort of the implication because you know they were they were they were emphasizing stuff like you know we have a you know we don't necessarily have a dedicated wagner team we have people that come together from different departments and uh, we mostly see wagner as a regional issue um so there was a really interesting philosophical difference there between sort of hard charging politicians and then sort of more um cautious civil servants and that's that's something that i think is also playing out in the US as well, where you have uh, increasing focus on Wagner as an organization and increasing resources going to them, like how they were recently designated a transnational criminal organization. Do you think that they're going to be designated a terrorist organization? That's an interesting question. I think in theory, they, they fit the criteria. I think it comes down to, and Congress can order the president to do it, and, and there was some legislation trying to do that. Uh, I don't think it's been, uh, I don't think it's gone through. But there, you know, I, th- I think I think probably administration officials are are questioning whether or not, you know, even if they meet the criteria, are they are they really a terrorist organization? You know what I mean? Is this the is this the purpose of this of this legislation? And this is a similar discussion that was had when um, when they were talking about designating the IRGC, which ultimately was designated a terrorist organization. But there was sort of back and forth and discussion over, you know, what is the purpose of this designation? I, th- I think ultimately what it'll come down to is if the U.S. thinks, and, and and I mean, this also applies to the U.K. and Europe as well. They have their own sort of designation systems. I'm just more up to date on what the U.S. one is. For the U.S., it'll come down to political will, right? They'll, they'll, they'll um, the administration, if they think Wagner's right a big up. enough problem, they will just throw every single tool, you know, they can at it, regardless of whether or not the label precisely fits. Which thing that the the reasoning behind it is 
you know, uh, more tools to, to go after with few sections to go after individuals that either work with Wagner and, or employ them, you know, so making that much more difficult. Yeah. And, and I mean, there's, there have been some sanctions on Wagner and, and Prigozhin for, for a couple of years. The TCO, the Transnational Criminal Organization designation and potentially a foreign terrorist organization designation, both intensify that. And at least in the case of an FTO designation, like the, the transnational criminal organizations derived from sort of an executive order, we're getting really, we're getting into the, the weeds on US civics here, but essentially, you know, that's the, tr- the criminal organizations from an executive order. So there's limitations as to what sort of the president without Congress can do because a foreign terrorist organization designation is, is more of a, is more of an executive and legislative thing. There's a lot steeper penalties associated with not even just being a member of Wagner necessarily, but facilitating them, working with them, helping them. And that has, you know, steeper penalties. It's, there's a, there's a higher risk that your assets will be frozen. And, uh, I think the most notable one is, um, it affects, it affects your ability to enter the U S is, is, is a, is a big one. You can't necessarily do that for it. Not, not that uh, a criminal uh, organization, like a Yakuza member or something would necessarily be led into the U S but it's much more likely that if you're, you know, associated with with an FTO, that you'll you'd be denied entry into the states and things like that. But there is, you know, there's going to be a limitation to to sanctions no matter what. Though this is sort of just an intensification of that effort. Obviously, now you're seeing more more efforts to paint Wagner as this powerful force in Africa, which I think is mm-hmm. vastly overstated. Particularly, I think the presence of Wagner in Burkina Faso, there are some people that say it's it's overblown. There's some people that say, you know, they're taking over the country. I know you've written about this not that long ago, about CAR and Wagner. What is your opinion on the Sahel? Wagner's involvement there and yeah, is there what is the threat, really? It's it's sort of yeah, and it, it, this is this is one of those things where I need to where uh, you know you and I you and I are both interested in Wagner because we you know we're interested in mercenaries and sort of write these things. So we so we have a we have a personal you know interest in groups like Wagner and 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 those sorts of things. But when you actually when you actually look at the region of the Sahel, Wagner is as much a symptom right of instability, much more than a than a than a necessarily a cause of it. Yeah, absolutely. I brought this up in in other podcasts, but you know, in in each of the cases where Wagner's popped up, and and that this isn't just the Sahel, but um, this is also at least the case in Mali. You know, there was uh, African Union missions, there were UN missions, there were uh, European Union training missions. You know, there there was uh, you know Task Force Takuba, right, and all these things. So it, so it's not as if it's not as if you know these countries, you know, the, at the first sign of trouble, were were calling Putin necessarily. With Burkina, with Burkina, I think there's a lot of unknowns, right? Because because uh, uh-huh. I wrote I wrote an article basically expressing skepticism at the idea that Burkina Faso was going to be where Wagner goes in the short term, while the war in Ukraine was happening and, and taking a lot of Wagner resources. At the time I wrote that, there was a different president of uh, Burkina Faso because it you know it, it had undergone a coup and then it, and has since undergone a, a second coup. And you know I don't I don't have quite as good a read on the new guy i think he he's he's made statements sort of expressly saying that wagner isn't coming but then there was you know there was reports that uh you know russians were coming to look at mining stuff which is usually like a 
it doesn't indicate that Wagner's coming, but it is sort of a you know one of one of the signs you know you would look for you would look for in in that instance. So it, yeah, it's it's less clear with Burkina, but but it seems like you know Wagner is taking casualties in Car and they're taking casualties in Mali, and that's that's going to sort of drain the manpower they have to send to Burkina. And if you're the if you're the Burkinabe government, right? You know, it would be it would be hard to look at Wagner activity in in Car or or Mali and and come away with with the uh, with the impression that they're particularly successful at counterterrorism. <laughs> you know, so yeah. so so there's a there's a lot of unknowns. And but they might judge, you know, uh, you know, for regime security, for for training the military, it's in the long term it'll be worth it. But you know, we just don't have. I just I just think we don't have enough evidence yet. Mm. No, I I think particularly on the re- regime security, uh, it seems as back there that's like their bread and butter. Oh yeah, right. It's the easiest part. Uh, keeping <laughs> whoever and and the mining security and and facilitation. So maybe good to to segue into something that we're working on right now. We're gonna actually email everybody this week about it. Our coming focus on Sahel Security Week, where we're gonna. Um, Look at the Sahel forecast, different countries, different actors, different problems. And like we did on Arctic Week, so that would be the last week of February. Arctic Week was the last week of December. We've decided that after the success of Arctic Week to, it's a little bit of self-promotion, <laughs> guys, so bear with. But we as Green Dynamics, we decided to do six thematic weeks. We're not going to talk about all six of them just the one in front of us, which is the Sahel Security Week. We might not even call it Sahel Security Week, which is we might just keep it to Sahel Week <laughs> and broaden our scope a little bit more, where we will talk about Wagner, where we'll talk about the issues of, of terrorism, illicit trade, governance, and the dynamics between herder and farmer or hunter communities and, and uh, communal violence. Yeah, we've been writing about the Sahel for a long time and we have a lot of experience on the ground too so we thought it is as good as any time to talk about it and i know like ukraine is on the forefront of everybody and i've gotten questions why we are not talking more about ukraine and why we're not focusing our attention on it then i think there's a lot of brilliant people that that are doing it and that are doing a great job covering it same for the middle east we just pride ourselves that that we do a lot of good work in Sub-Saharan Africa, around it, and Africa at large, and some on Latin America. So those, you know, get a little bit more attention, a little bit more focus as it deserves. And so, yeah, that's something that I wanted to to mention. I know you had some ideas on what we should cover. Yeah, could you go into that? I think the opportunity of, of having like a dedicated week for Sahel stuff is that much like much like the world in general, when it comes to the Sahel, people will sort of jump for, to whatever the the most pressing you know sub issue is, um, and they'll leave out the bigger picture. Like for for a long time, it was you know the the Mali the Mali coup until it became Burkina Faso. Yeah, um, and I think the benefit of of talking about you know a lot of the countries in the Sahel that don't that are sort of given short shrift in in traditional media and. Uh, and talking about some of those longer term dynamics is, you know, it gives you it gives you a fuller picture. You know, uh, the Sahel isn't just um, Wagner in 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 Mali and potentially in Burkina Faso, right? What's what's Niger doing, right? What's Mauritania doing? You know, how are these how are you know how are issues like 
desertification and the shrinking of Lake Chad, you know, affecting affecting regional security. Yeah. Um, and and those are those are equally important <laughs> equally important topics. And you know, poten- and depending on how fundamental we want to get with with stuff like environmental change and, and farmer herder conflicts, you know, um, more more important for understanding where the region's headed in the long in the medium and long term. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think one of the causes of of instability and ensuing insurgencies and, and terrorism can be attributed to climate and uh, and environmental issues, uh, the lack of water or, or competition of water, or if you want to even make it cooler, water wars. <laughs> uh, yeah. Around cue the fireworks behind me, or in this case, fountains that will be more adapted. And at least for farmer farmer herder conflicts, it's it's not like this is you know necessarily a new dynamic, but you know these environmental stuff just kicks it all into overdrive, right? You know where where uh, herders herders have to move their have to move their animals south, you know, and and then guests get and then they land in someone's farm, right? Um, and that's and there's you know on a macro level on a macro level that doesn't seem like much, but if it's happening you know all over the place, and then you know you have the layer of you know, community and ethnicity. And then on top of that, you know, international or like, you know, uh, criminal organizations and terrorists and stuff, it gets, uh, gets real messy. It does. It, it really does. I mean, you see it in Nigeria, a little bit further afield, you see it in, in the whole of Africa, mm-hmm. those dynamics. It's, it's been a problem for a long time. But yeah, we thought that with the changes happening, the effect that the Sahel has on Europe, the effect it has on other relations, for example, in the Middle East, uh, U.S.-China competition, and now obviously Russia, we thought it would be, you know, as good as time as any to to delve deeper into this. And uh, as, as you mentioned, some of the countries, they don't get any attention. I mean, you left out Chad, for example. <laughs> yeah, or I did. Even Sudan, because Sudan is considered geographically, I think Sudan is, is part of the Sahel, just isn't mentioned with those countries, the G5 Sahel one. Yeah. So I think that that will get more focus from us, but I think Su- Sudan is a whole can of worms on its own. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's several, several cans of worms within a bigger can, I would say. Yeah, so, so uh, we, we are, we're not going to veer too much off of it. Then. And on Chad, there was like uh, an interesting development was like the growing role of Israel in, uh, in Sahelian countries, Sahara security, or West mm. African security. I know they also, I know there was also a delegation to Sudan, I believe as well, recently by one of the, yeah. Yeah, they're gearing up to to sign a uh, a peace treaty to Israel and, uh, and Sudan. And I think Chad is, has normalized relations with Israel. There was a bit of an issue where they were basically pressured, I think by Algeria to, to not do that. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of interesting dynamics and big power competition going on, yeah. and yeah, for us as analysts, it's a dream to yeah to delve deeper into these things and see if we can offer like a peek. And I think that's as best as we can do. One thing that I wanted to sorry to reiterate: the last week of this month, February. So if you're hearing this in March or in April, I'm sorry, it's the last week of February. That's when we're going to do the Sahel week. And more information will follow. So stay tuned to our social media and our newsletter. Something that I wanted to ask you, and we can keep it short as we done. I'm guessing that you don't want to go too deep into it. 
you was an analyst at the Pentagon. And so you have a little bit of an idea what's going on there. The Chinese spy balloon. <laughs> <laughs> People keep asking me about the spy balloon. Uh, and it's... <laughs> And it's tricky. It's tricky because I have uh, no, I have no real opinion on it. I will, I will, I will preface this by saying I'm definitely not a PRC person and definitely not a balloon person, uh, outside of the context of uh, birthdays and and celebrations. You don't say. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I think the balloon incident in general has been sort of uh, has been sort of interesting to watch play out on social media, right? Because you have. Um, not necessarily OSINT people, but it, but you know people who are interested in doing commentaries on on NATSEC issues, sort of uh, decrying this as either a, a fatal breach of U.S. air defense and airspace, or a uh, or like a or like a non-issue. I think honestly, the most interesting part of it, outside of outside of you know the the whole drama of, of watching it get shot down and all that, was uh, was the revelation that this is like the third or fourth one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that and that previous ones might have been either undetected or or not detected until, you know, you know, later on. I mean, I don't really see it as like a, you know, some people see it as as like a catalyst for for something, but I, I you know, it's not really something you would traditionally call aggression, right? Uh there's sort of an expectation that that great powers would be spying on each other in one way or another. Um and a and a balloon is just a different way to do that. Yeah, for sure. Not to, I'm not, you know, I'm not uh I'm not saying that China or the U.S. you know should be floating balloons over each other, but that's sort of, you know, that's sort of going to happen. They're going to be um, either by satellites or I think the Chinese were pulling some um, some U.S. USVs, some American USVs out of out of their waters as well a while back. Oh yeah, true. Uh, yeah. Um, so so you know this is this is something that is is like. I guess it's public recognition that there's a whole level of espionage that they're sort of missing out on. So, yeah, I mean, that's really my thoughts on, on the balloon. I mean, it was fun watching it, uh, watching it get blown up with a, with a like $400,000 missile. That was pretty funny. Oh, everything that blows up uh, is always interesting for people to analyze. But yeah, the theories, the, the, the maybe conspiracy theories, I don't know how you want to call mm. them, uh, unfolding on, on Twitter were interesting to, to follow how everybody all of a sudden became an expert on either side of platforms and <laughs> potential EMP capabilities. And we are, we are actually doing an article or report on EMP, Chinese EMP capabilities. Oh, nice. Is, but yeah, it's going to be written. And Michael, who is our head of research and, and, and editor, who's writing it, he was, he was in the middle of writing it when a Chinese spy man came up and he was like, well, now everybody <laughs> will think that I just did it because of this. He's <laughs> like, why did I finish it a week before? And it would be ideal. Oh, man. So I promise everybody that it wasn't the time it was just bad. Yeah, so that's interesting to go into spying on a on a different way. Mm-hmm. There was an interesting announcement on um, I think in the UK on cyber intrusions by uh, Russian and Irani advanced persistent threats, and I mean you encountered it, I think. <laughs> Yeah. You're one of its targets. <laughs> well, so on Twitter on Twitter this morning, and I didn't realize that um the UK the UK actually GCHQ put out a press release about spear phishing attacks and a- and APR and information gathering from Iran and, and Russia linked. I don't think they I don't think they've out and said that it was it was state organized, but you know, it's you know, it's probably one of those things where it's a cutout or, you know, somehow related. 
apparently they released a warning like around the 26th of January, uh, released a, a media thing about it. And I, I didn't notice that until uh, today, this morning, when, uh, when I saw that a UK MP basically did a long thread about how he had been the victim of spearfishing and how, um, you know, he was apprehensive that information about, you know, information about his emails was about to come out and how it was probably going to be modified. And, you know, like normal politician stuff you say when you're, when your emails get compromised. But it, it was interesting for me because, I mean, obviously this, this particular MP was on uh, the foreign affairs committee. So I assume that, and, and was a, and is a member of um, the Scottish national party. So, you know, presumably, you know, he might not necessarily have been, he could have been the target, but it might've been an effort to sort of get his address book. Right. That, that's how, that's, that's how a lot of this happens, right. Is you get, right. you get in somewhere, you get their address book and then you spread from there like a virus. Yeah. Um, and I actually, I actually, I did encounter, I did encounter this cause, cause in the, in the article, they mentioned that sort of NGOs, academia and stuff were also being targeted. And, uh, and several months ago there was, there was one going around UK universities uh, and I actually, and I actually received received one. I, I don't think I got hacked. If if I did, they didn't find anything interesting. They found a lot of research about small states in the 1800s. <laughs> they found a lot of research about uh, about Hessians. But it is the thing that's happening. Um, and I and I and I suppose that I can't really speak to Iran, but at least for at least for Russia and Russia linked actors, right? A lot of a lot of academia, a lot of NGOs, and a lot of government officials are looking at Russia, right? And they're looking at Ukraine. Uh, so gathering information about who's doing that, what they're talking about, even if it's not, you know, classified information, could still be useful for them. Yeah, definitely, it, it could feed into uh, the fable of Russian active measures, covert operations, covert action, and or influence operations that they're conducting. And it's also a nice segue segue for me on that because we have reports, no, sorry, articles and reports coming out on Russian and Iranian cyber threat actors. So you have a look out for that, I think either this week or next week. And we have a long, deep dive coming out on Russian influence operations in, in Northern Europe, in the Nordics. And there's been a lot of information coming out on that, a lot of agents that were arrested of the GRU, the SVR. So that's very interesting and... Uh, it fits into this time that we live in. I do want to mention something that we, we we generally don't taste in the news and what's going on in the world if it's not really the stuff that we normally talk about, military, defense, uh, intelligence, and security uh, affairs. But I just wanted to mention the horrible earthquakes in, in, in Turkey at Syria. And uh, we do, uh, we, we are following pers- on a personal level. And I think the as, us as analysts and, and researchers, we, we know people there who work in those areas. And we wish everybody good health and, and that they can resolve as many uh, or find as many people as possible. And, and hopefully, you know, they can keep the death toll in check because it's yeah horrible seeing those videos. Uh, yeah, awful. I decided not to engage with those three because it's it just uh, we talked last week about vicarious trauma. You know, man. Oh yeah, seeing those videos is is horrible. Um, yeah. Particularly, you know, for for places that have been you know already battered by wars, for that to happen. So yeah, I yeah. wanted to like mention that. 
Yeah, there, there's sort of a there's sort of a narrative that if you're a you know if you're if you're on social media if you're an analyst you you have to engage with every single video and every single piece of media and, yeah. and you know you you mentioned this uh, uh, last podcast but but that's definitely that's definitely not the case I think you know seeing stuff like that whether it's a natural natural disaster or um, the result of some kind of violence is uh, it doesn't make you tougher to see all that stuff over and over again I think it I think it makes you softer. And it and it sort of starts to accumulate and and, and weigh on you after a while. So, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, we we uh, we are looking at doing some sort of uh, like raising funds for for uh, for support for people down there. So we have to look out to the website and social media when we come out with something like that, uh, either through other organizations or. Which it will more likely happen that then we that we would do something ourselves because we're not really equipped to do that. But yet, to to all our friends, and family, supporters, and everybody else in the affected areas, you know, yeah, we we hope we hope you're well and and we wish you know the best. And yeah, I just wanted to have a moment to to reflect. And then, yeah, sadly, we have to go on to the order of the day, you know, yeah, which is. Our job and something we need to do. Yeah, um, I wanted to also mention something that I've been getting a lot of questions about all myself. Like, I think I should give them your email so they can pass to you instead of me. Uh, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I don't mind it out. We can email you guys if you have my email. Go ahead. I'll, um, even if it's just to, to complain, but. Uh, yeah, we are working with, we've been working for a long time on a intelligence training capability development project that we're doing as Grey Dynamics, which would be a whole separate thing. And we're getting along where we're almost there. So be patient with us. There's a lot of people involved in it and advising us and, and involved in it. I'm involved in it. Marcel is involved in it. Some of our other colleagues at Great Dynamics and elsewhere are involved in it, industries involved in it. So, yeah, maybe something you want to mention, you know, what, what you're looking forward to or what you think is interesting around your yeah, intelligence training or what's missing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that in general, I think the gap that we're looking to fill is the fact that there, there's, you know, there's not a ton, but there are sort of. OSINT training courses, right? And they bill themselves as, as providing, you know, the ability to use Twitter for intelligence or use uh, ArcGIS or, or other tools. And, and those are all great. But fundamentally, I think the main thing we're providing is sort of the critical thinking skills to actually use those tools as, 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 as good as you possibly can. You know, it's, it's one thing to be able to visualize data or collect data. It's another thing to get it together and present it in a way that's, that's useful for Either, you know, if you're a journalist, you know, the general public, if you're, you know, if you work for a company, you're your CEO or your supervisor. And, you know, if you work for, if you work for the government, you know, obviously whoever your, your customer is there. But, but for me, for me, I think that's sort of the gap we're aiming, we're aiming to fill is, is sort of those, those critical thinking and analytical skills. And then also, you know, at the start, uh, an understanding of what intelligence is and what it's for. And sort of grappling with some of the grappling with some of the questions of the day. Uh, we don't necessarily uh, we don't necessarily uh, come to a conclusion. You can sort of come to that conclusion yourself. But you know, the introduction of open source and SOC Mint 
has sort of has sort of challenged because a traditional course, right? Like a, I don't know, like fifteen years ago, right, would have been all about government and how government does intelligence and and stuff like that. And it's, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And it's quite obvious now that you know the private sector, NGOs, journalists, and stuff. It's it's a big tent, uh, and the notion that intelligence is something that only a government does or that only a government should do is 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 not necessarily the case anymore. Um, so those are those are some things I'm excited about. Yeah, also for me too. Uh, the other one uh, that I'm really excited about is, which is something close to my heart, and, and one of the reasons why I set up Grid Analytics is uh, the production side. So how do we share our assessments and, and how do we write? And also on a personal level for me is that I'm really interesting, interested in writing and how do, can we use tools, mental tools as well as like actual tools to better convey our assessments or on level of maybe conviction is not the best word to use, but our certainty levels on a certain event or a certain future happening. And that's what I'm really interested in. And we will be touching on, on other uh, intelligence disciplines. Some we will teach and some, some of our friends with more experience in it will teach it. And I'm really looking forward and it's going to be, uh, we want to continue to to open the door to non-governmental people, people in the private sector, journalists and, and academia and keep that tent as big as possible. And I think right now we are living in a golden age of intelligence. It's a bit of the Wild West. And I think to develop proper skills and yeah, make make good use of, of what is possible right now and, and the demand for uh, for intelligence capabilities and so on an individual level as well as on a on a corporate or agency level where you might want to build that capability into your organization and you don't know how let us know and uh, we can uh, we can definitely assist with that and yeah having said that more and more details more insights into that will come guys but uh, I just wanted to mention that since we are talking about the things that we're working on and you guys have been asking me about it. So I wanted to have put that out there again, newsletter, social media, the two best places I would say is Twitter and our newsletter, which I'm right myself. So yeah, have a look at that. Guys. But also follow on uh, Instagram as well. Yeah, yeah, follow on Instagram <laughs> as well. But Meta doesn't really like us. So uh, we've been shadow banned because they don't like that we talk about conflict. I don't know why, but it is what it is, I guess. We, we are still active on it, you know, you can reach us out. We can reach out to us and everything. They do seem to like our content on aerospace and everything geo-wind. And that, that channel is, is really blowing up. So if you're interested in anything that flies, that shoots, and that spies, so balloons and wool uh, blades, spy blades, all that kind of stuff, you know, follow our Great Dynamics Aerospace accounts on Twitter as well as uh, Instagram. Yes, a lot of self-promotion, um, so I feel like we need to stop it from time to time. Otherwise, I just keep on going. Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, the thing one of one of the recent things uh, you guys covered that I thought that I thought was interesting was the. Um, I guess it wasn't a shoot down, but when uh, when that Congolese when that Congolese plane either either was in or close to uh, the Rwandan border. Yeah, um, I, I thought that was that was interesting. Also, I mean, it was crazy. It was crazy how many angles there were of that. It's a, it's a, it's a weird world that we're living. Well, I mean, normally in conflict zones, even in even in Ukraine, 
you know, you, you rarely, you rarely actually see, you know, the munition, uh-huh. you know, you'll, you'll see it sometimes just cause there's so many videos being taken, but 99% of the time it's, you know, someone started taking the video after the, uh, after whatever munition or artillery happened. And, and so the fact that there was two separate, two separate videos, at least of like the plane in flight, uh, footage of it landing, like pictures of the damage and stuff like that. It's, it's crazy. I think, I think people in the, you know, people in the eighties would have been extraordinarily jealous of, uh, of how much is just is just out there. Yeah, absolutely. I think like some people also misunderestimate the amount of smartphones in Africa. A lot of okay. countries in Africa they they didn't go from analog to digital uh, to uh, wired to mobile, right? So they just jumped directly into three G, four G, and five G. So some of countries in Africa are better connected than than countries in Europe. Uh, yeah. It's a crazy thing to say, but it's really true. Even Somalia. It, it also makes sense, you know, I mean, especially for the banking sector and stuff yeah. where, you know, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people are un, were, were unbanked because there just uh-huh. weren't brick and mortar, you know, banks, you know, at the farther end. Um, and the idea that you have access to your money, uh, you know, via your phone is, is you know, revolutionary. And it's, it's cool that. It's cool that you know it's uh, you know they got to skip over uh, dial up and all that like, yeah. all that crap. <laughs> Absolutely, there's like a lot of fraud leads technology. Like in 2010, I went to Mogadishu, Somalia, and at that time the country was known as still as a failed state for more than 25 years, and they had mobile banking, like they were camel learners using their phones to send money or receive money from family abroad. And that was not even the thing, like Venmo, and it didn't exist even, I think, at that time. So very interesting to see that. I think we can do a whole podcast on that stuff. Some also some things are ongoing around finance and microfinance that I'm really interested on a personal level is that was my previous career. But <laughs> we are already all over the place in this episode. I think there's also a perception in the West that like the like the way money is moved in these countries is like like koala networks, but not like not like electronically or anything. Just like you know, someone someone like yeah. someone like yeah. passes someone else on the street like a yeah. dollar, and then they pass it on. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, and that's that's definitely that's definitely not the case even for uh, you know anywhere really. Yeah, no, it's interesting that people think that it's it's, it's a koala networks around the world so not just the somali ones but you know any 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 ethnicity that that sends money back i mean i think there's like huge money that goes from remittances from the uk to like the caribbean especially like jamaica from canada to jamaica from the us so that that's that's an interesting trend that has i think that's been around for hundreds of years yeah i think it's treated it's treated as something as exotic right like even though functionally a modern hawala network is not that different from like an ebt like a like a bank transfer you know because because it's it's foreign and and uh you know everyone everyone supposedly knows everyone in the network and you know and and stuff it's it's met it's it's used even in that it's it's even used in the latest jack ryan uh season three is it yeah yeah (laughs) I know that show gets a lot of hate. I I, uh, I think for what it is, it, it's it's really. F- but we can go into like cultural recommendations in a bit. I wanted to ask you right now: Are there any tips, tools, advices that you something you're using right now, something that caught your fantasy, as they say, 
that you could divulge? Yes, actually. So I'm doing a I'm doing a separate project for for the university I'm at related to aid flows, trade influence in in the Horn of Africa. Really high level stuff. I'm not getting into the weeds, but I ran into this site HDX or or I guess uh, like humanitarian data or, or uh, humdata.org. Yeah. And what it is is it's basically a list of different data sets. So it's like hundreds hundreds of different data sets that exist for, you know, you can sort it by country, you can sort it by. So, you know, if you're looking at, say, I don't know, like levels of aid to Sudan, but only as it relates to like dealing with drought or something, you know, you can very quickly access like all that information from from like official sources, right? Because you don't you don't necessarily have to go to like the African Development Bank site or the UN site or that sort of thing. So that's that's actually that's actually been extremely useful for me uh, right now. And, and I realize it's sort of high level and academic, but you know, when it comes to, you know, understanding trends and especially how like inflection points in international politics affect these trends, you know, like if you look at um, one example is like the independence of South Sudan, right, on Sudan's trade relationship with China, where, you know, there was a massive trade imbalance because Sudan was one of the major oil exporters to China. And then just over overnight, uh, it just flips because China, you know, China is exporting the same amount, but it's no longer importing quite as much, uh, quite as much petroleum. Is an is an example, and then you know. Well, we use it too. We can probably, I can, I can probably put the link in. Uh, we can probably put the link in the description. Yeah, yeah, yeah please. But it, but it's a really, it's a really good, it's a really good, fast, safe, free resource uh, for people looking at that kind of information. That's a good one. Yeah, really like that. Was there anything else that you that you wanted to mention? I have. Uh, well, I guess I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm, I'm having an op-ed come come out, a co-authored op-ed in uh, foreign policy come out on uh, about about believe it or not the wagner group all right <laughs> and that just that just touches on sort of the a lot of the issues we were talking about like the the terrorist designation and and sort of the implications of that uh the the receptivity of different actors to, to going after wagner and uh and sort of concludes with sort of the reflection we've sort of had here where you know wagner is is only part of the you know is only part of a broader problem and that sort of if you want Wagner or groups like Wagner to to you know go away, you have to look at sort of the what causes it. Why are why are actors looking for people who provide you know Wagner like or, or executive outcomes like uh, security services? Oh, don't say that. Oh yeah, no, sorry. Uh, you know, don't don't lump them together. Uh... <laughs> there was one there's one person I was talking to who was like a lawyer who was who was really eager that there be a definition of mercenaries so that like UK security companies were not lumped in with Wagner. They were like, well, we don't, we don't want G4S and Garda World to be lumped in with with Wagner, and I thought that was pretty funny. That like his his interest in going after Wagner was like brand defense for uh, you know less less objectionable PMSCs. Hey, business is business, and, and and branding is is everything, you know. So yeah, that plays a role. Now, I think for my end, one tool that I've mentioned this in a thread that I wrote on on Twitter, if you want to find it, that I really really enjoy is CryptBat. It's a, I think it's free. It works basically like Google Workspaces or Microsoft Teams. And uh, so it has like a text editor, online text editor. Uh, it has a replacement for Excel, for Calendar. And the good part of it is it's completely end-to-end encrypted. And you can do it anonymously. So you can basically write things online, continue it, invite people into or collaborating with people online. I have no affiliation with them. I don't think they even know they exist. So 
there's no discount code or whatever. But I just like using it. We got to get that affiliate link. We got to yeah. join the. <laughs> we got to join the network. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Cribbad. That's that's one that I really like, and uh, there's some other ones that that I can mention. But that's the. I think that's a really good one. And if if you cannot afford Microsoft or you don't want to use Google's free version, which is good to check out Cribbad. We will put it in the description. All right, Marcel. Last bits. Cultural recommendations, any books, TV shows, games. <laughs> we we talked a bit. We talked a bit about uh, set offline about uh, about Andor, but you haven't seen it, so so I can't. Well, I uh, started. I started looking at it. Oh, you started. So it? yeah, I've, yeah, I started. I've, I've watched episode one and two. I think. Also, also the also known as the slowest uh, the slowest two episodes. It's a very slow burn. Yeah, watch episode three, and then there, there's a reason they released. I think the first three episodes all at once. Oh yeah, and that's because they, I think they realized that if they only release the sl- the, the two slow burn episodes before the uh, before it gets a little uh, before it gets a little crazy, then maybe people wouldn't be as interested. But uh, no, I have faith. You know, I, I felt the same way. I stopped watching. Like I like I stopped watching for like a week after the first two episodes. I was like, yeah, I'll come back to this later, and then and then after that, I was sort of riveted. But um, but I'm not gonna say. I don't want to be too. But uh, moving on to a different Disney product, I don't know if we talked too much about the new Black Panther because I saw I saw that. No, we have not. I saw it too. Yeah, go ahead. Spoiler alert, guys. Oh yeah, it's sort of. Well, it's sort of spoiler alert. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sort of it sort of touches on a lot of what we do, right? Because it's um, you know, there was a, there was a big intelligence subplot there, um, mm-hmm. and also sort of I, I guess sort of the I don't know. I mean, it's it's made by like Amer- covert action. Yeah, action, but it's it's like made by. It's made by Americans, right? So there's like a U.S. focus that I don't actually think needed to be in the movie that much. There is a bit of a French function too. Oh yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for some re- for some reason, but yeah, no, I I liked it. I you know overall, I think um, I think the benefit to watching it on Disney Plus is you, you know is you can you can skip like half an hour towards the end. In in my opinion, it does that it does that Marvel thing where where every single Marvel movie where you don't know the characters already has to have like an action set piece at the end for like like it was the same with Shang Chi. I don't know if you saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they had a they had a big they had a big battle at the end for no reason. Uh, yeah. It could have just been sort of character driven. But yeah, no, I you know I still I like I like Black Panther as a franchise at, at the very least because it's sort of. Um, Proves to investors that it's worth making movies that touch on other other regions and cultures, even if they don't necessarily get it right or they sort of uh, oversimplify things. You know, movies like The Woman King have come out uh, were probably a direct result of, of Black Panther making a billion dollars. Yeah, I can recommend that one too. I like it. Yeah, I didn't actually see The Woman King. Yeah, it's I, it, no. that one I can recommend. It's uh, based on like true-ish events, I can say. I um, I've read a lot about. The, the backstory of the movie uh, before the movie debate came out. Like, I didn't know there was a movie coming out, but it was nice that they stuck with, with reality as much. Uh, for people that don't know, and honestly, I, I was born in an African country, and I always, you know, I enjoy seeing good representation, you know. You know, it's, it's something to enjoy. I didn't really like the first Black Panther. Please don't attack me for that, guys. Um <laughs> It was like a, people made like a cultural momentous thing, yeah. but and I understand that part of it. It's just that as a movie, I didn't like it. The second one, I thought was way way better. Obviously, because there was like more intrigue, more intelligence, more covert action, all all that cool stuff, special operations, and all the stuff that I like to write and read about. So, so that one I I really liked, 
anything else on your end? I've been playing. I've been playing uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, which is all right. Very not. Very not good. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know if you've played either this one or the the one before at Wildlands. Uh, no, I haven't. No. But it's 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 sort of like I mean it's it's Tom it's a it's a Tom Clancy franchise thing, so you kind of know what to expect in terms of like geopolitics and intrigue and and sort of the military operators being cool. But this is like they took this one's like they took crazy pills. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's it's like an island. It's like an island in the South Pacific, and like some like Elon Musk tech billionaire like sets up a like a drone based AI company that basically swallows the whole island and then they hire and then for some reason he hires a, a pmsc to like oversee security on this island where he has a bunch of killer drones and then the pmsc deposes him and takes over it as they do this isn't yeah this isn't a spoiler by the way this this all happens before but but it's just it's 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 just really funny to see like writers who have just grabbed like drones uh, drones ai autonomy and stuff like out of the headlines and they're like how do we make this into a how do we make this into like a 60 hour video game yeah yeah, yeah. interesting obviously i've seen like walkthroughs here and there i haven't had the chance to 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 play it yet also because i've been moving house and putting everything together here so it it has taken a lot of my free time sorry i forgot to mention um the the cringiest part of it is that is that it's it's very gear and like loot based um, yeah. and all of the loot's branded. So it's like, you can get five eleven tactical pants and like Oakley's and stuff like, like, and it's not like, and it's not like, you know, it's not like, it's not like fake. It's like literally like five eleven trademark tactical, like, you know, pants or, or, or sunglasses or boots or whatever. But you know what though? And a lot of people that play those games love that. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I guess it's better than if they had had like, you know, fake Levi's and fake, yeah. uh, fake cargo pants and. Exactly, but it was it was pretty funny the first time I opened a, a case and it was like Oakley sunglasses and I'm like, wow, this is realistic. <laughs> All right, yeah. I mean, from my end, um, I'm pretty boring. I don't really have that many cultural recommendations outside of I'm reading for like more serious stuff. I'm reading a book on Putin called Putin's Man. I think it's a really interesting book. Talks about his history, his rise to power. The people allowed him, the dynamics that shaped Russia uh, while he came to power. And I'm rereading Kahneman's book, Thinking Slow, or Slow Thinking. I'll put it in the, the description, guys. I'm rereading that for maybe the third time. A lot of yeah, tips and tricks and, and advices from that book will go into the will go into the course too because yeah, I really enjoyed that book. And for fun, I'm reading the boys comic. Oh, nice! Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm doing that. Uh, is it? How does it? How does it compare to the show? Do you feel like it's way more brutal? <laughs> it is because yeah. the show is pretty brutal. And that's that. Yeah, the show is pretty brutal. Like no, the, the the comic is even more brutal, which is crazy. Oh man! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's for me. The any like cultural recommendations myself? Any parting thoughts? Uh, you know, you can you can uh, you can subscribe or uh, or follow uh, both Great Dynamics and uh, and myself on uh, on Twitter, most social media platforms. I'm not on Instagram, and you can watch out for you know articles I write both for Great Dynamics and for uh, other publications like the Daily Beast. Yeah. yeah, we will share all your stuff in uh, in the in the show notes. And guys, again, as I said last week, I really appreciate all the support, and we're trying to keep this podcast 
as long sponsor-free as we can because we, we really enjoy doing it and we really enjoy bringing you guys insights into this world. If you want to support us or if you want to engage you know, more into our work or into our community, we are running right now a discount for all the podcast listeners, 20%. If you use the word podcast, all small letters, no uh, caps, then you can get 20% discount on all year subscriptions. So the secret one and the top secret one. So yeah, that's that's one thing that that uh, that I really enjoy because the, especially in the top secret one, you get access to our to our community, to our Slack, and then you can ask Marcel questions. You can pester him, and you can ask myself questions. <laughs> you can hold me to account. <laughs> you can hold him to account and tell him that his sources didn't check out, or and you can do the same to me and uh, or any of our analysts um, and contributors. So yeah, if you want to engage more with us and and want to work. In our process, if you want to pitch ideas or report ideas, subjects, yeah, please, you know, you can do that through that. Otherwise, you know, engage with us in the newsletter. Um, I do that every Sunday. Sometimes I do two a week, depending on if I'm feeling inspired and I have something to say. But normally there's the, the recap on Sundays where we recap all the work that we've been publishing as well as some some of my ideas of what's going on in the world or in our industry. Marcel, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, Yeah, no problem. Thank you if you made it to this far. Thank you, guys. And please give us a, a rating. If you think we deserve it, give us a five-star rating on Apple, Spotify. We are now on YouTube, too. So show us some love and subscribe there. It will really help to you know, spread our message. And it is a labor of love, so... Thank you guys and have a great rest of your day.